0: So while recording this episode, turns out there's like a scratching sound, sometimes intermittently mixed throughout. I find it annoying, but the conversation with Ryan is so friggin' amazing. I hope you find it annoying, but you're still able to listen to the whole thing. This is me being honest with you. See, I could have just snuck you into the show with the issue and had you discover on your own and get annoyed on your own. I wanted to prime you now. That's how much I respect you. So there is a sound, but I think it does not get in the way of a fantastic conversation about Darby's, about beer, about so many wonderful things, gardening, all of it. It's all here for you. So hopefully you can look past it and appreciate my straightforwardness on the matter. Without further ado, here's episode three. Hey, here we are. It's another episode of The Coin. Uh, maybe the guest I'm most excited about. It's like children. You love them all, but there's like the one that you think could become a doctor, right? Uh, so Ryan Hildre joining me today. Ryan and I are going to talk about rivalries slash derbies. People over there call them derbies. Over here, we call them rivalries. And we'll dig into uh, each culture's kind of versions of them and some history and and match the experience stuff. And then we'll close it off like we do every episode with a little cultural Q&A. Ryan, how's your Sunday, man?
1: I am very good. And what kind words from you at the start there. Um, I always joke around with my own mom, actually, that I'm the favorite child. I've got two sisters that are younger than me. So I always say that, you know, I'm first born and only son. It's not your fault, sisters. So... It's, uh, it's funny that you said that. Very kind words. And my Sunday has been very good. Um, yes, yeah, nice and chilled. And obviously, a big day in the UK tomorrow. So just kind of getting ready for that, really. It's a bank holiday in the UK. So we'll just watch that and pay our respects to Her Majesty.
0: There you go. You know what you could do, too, is make your sisters listen to this episode.
1: And just, yes. just the intro,
0: just the first 30 <laughs> seconds, and then turn it off and smile at yeah.
1: them. It's not just mom. I can say that,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, cheeky brother stuff. So, you know, I learned recently, actually through, it was you who was the genesis of this idea for this episode months ago, when you told me that um, Rovers fans aren't even allowed to go like, drink in the town they're going to, furthermore, they're sequestered to the point where they get kind of, y'all get bussed to where you're going, get off in a certain exit or entrance into the stadium, and then sit sequestered from everyone else, and then leave in the same manner in which you arrived with almost little fan-to-fan interaction. And that blew my mind as an American. Blew it out of the water. Um, so I kind of want to know a little bit more detail. If somebody had did not know that and they're learning for the first time and they think rivalries over here in the States are crazy, which they are, um, then this is not, by the way, we're not like in some kind of contest to see which is crazier. But that that really blew my mind. And uh, I have some questions for you. So talk to me about like your match day experiences and maybe if you want to do Burnley as as the talisman, are you thinking that's like the best example of this Burnley?
1: Yeah, so obviously being Rovers fans, we can talk about Rovers and Burnley, but we can bring some other ones in as well. So um yeah, yeah let's start it off. We are a strange little nation, aren't we? We <laughs> it's a small it's a small island, but there are lots of football teams on this island. And we've obviously got a very rich and deep history on this nation. Lots of different places that have rubbed each other up the wrong way or annoyed each other for centuries and football has ignited that really and yeah let's talk about rovers and burnley um bit of history obviously they're both cotton mill towns so they were all always competing in in blackburn and burnley to supply cotton probably to manchester so that it could be shipped elsewhere so you've got a real deep kind of competition there way before football started in terms of Blackburn and Burnley and the rivalry man it's insane I mean you know I'm not from Blackburn I'm not from Lancashire so I don't feel it in the way that some do but I feel it on match day so these games always just have a certain something about them they feel special there's something in the air those kind people that you see every week at Ewood Park turn into absolute monsters. You know, it's that type <laughs> of stuff. And you're right. Um, such is the the hatred and, and the bitterness of the rivalry. You can only go to Ewood Park as a Burnley fan or Turf Moor as a Rovers fan if you're on the official club travel, the coach, that sets off about three, four hours before kickoff you get shipped to turf more and basically locked in the away end and that's it you can't mingle you can't do anything and that is the only way that you get into turf more
0: when you say shipped i assume these are like coach buses like yeah. buses, yeah. right and then when you arrive is there a lot of security like at the bus and security kind of almost like a, I, i'm picturing like a row of security guards is that basically how it goes and they are sure you all up into the stands like cattle
1: so so it's a bit like that so the security at ewood park is much safer i would say for burnley fans because our ground is just a little bit bigger and there's areas where you can really get the police and the security to, to obviously make it safe for the fans at turf Moor, it's quite tight to get into that away end. so when you're driving into burnley on the coach you've got all the away fans heckling you and shouting stuff at you like Whoa! and then you get there and you're greeted yes by the the line of police and basically you're just trying to get in that away end as quickly as you possibly can uh because right. once you're in that's it you're safe but yeah it's not a warm welcome and it's not a nice welcome at turf Moor.
0: so once you're in the stands i presume it's pretty early before the match kicks off are you allowed to go grab drinks do you have vendors that come is there any i don't think if I remember
1: correctly, mm. there's no drinking at the stadium? No, the last time I went, there was certainly no alcohol. And that's the other thing about these derby games, such as the bitterness of these rivalries. And we can talk about some other rivalries um, in a moment. But such is the bitterness. They usually move the kickoff times. So Rovers Burnley always kicks off at 12 p.m. UK time so that you're not giving anyone the chance to to have a drink and all of that type of stuff. So, yeah, there's, there's no alcohol. You're pretty much in turf more for half 10 10 a.m you know they get you there really early so that you've got no chance of really kind of coming across other burnley fans it's it's a strange old day it's a long day as well
0: yeah so everyone needs to have their phones charged because that's really all you have so yes what about what about other concessions like general snacks and drinks and food um you know over here obviously now stadiums have big stadiums you know we're talking about uh, for those of you who don't know, Blackburn, even Burnley, you know there's a pyramid of football. So there's small clubs. Think of it like going to the best analogy here is single A, double A, triple A, major league baseball. When you go to a single A stadium or a double A stadium, you expect different food and a different atmosphere than a major league stadium. So I want everybody to put that into context. But even at those stadiums, there's lots of different food vendors. Um, is that something that happens there as well as an away fan? Do you have your own section of away fan food or no?
1: Um, so the vendors are all the same around the whole stadium for for home and away fans. But obviously away fans just access the away fan vendors. Um, it's not the greatest quality food um, unless you're going to you know, the likes of Tottenham or Manchester City or Arsenal, which overcharge, for the record, you know, sure. <laughs> you pay the premium. Could you give in- me an example of a premium on it and an item from one of those places? Um, called- so, yeah, so I think I'm right in saying that at Arsenal, it's something like £16 pounds for a cheeseburger and chips. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow. So it's pretty pricey stuff. And beers, probably eight, nine, ten pounds. You know, that's the the type of price you're talking. It's, it's not good.
0: Yeah. And I assume that same quality level of burger and chips you could get at a corner store for a couple of pounds. Totally. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, right. totally.
1: Wow. You can obviously pay for the experience at some of these stadiums. If you pay a bit of a premium, you can have like a sit down three course meal and get a better quality food. But, you know, for your average fan that's on the concourse going to the vendors, you know, it's it's not worth the money. And, yeah, just going back to your question. Um, so when you go into turf Moor, when you go into Ewood Park, when you go into some of these other stadiums, and um, you're talking basic food, so you know, fries, chips, and um, hot dogs, um, nice. pies you know, that's the big one in the north of England, pies. Um, and then you can get like you know, sweets and chocolate bars and, and stuff like that. It's not a wide selection of stuff, some grounds will have the odd item that you might not expect to see sometimes so um obviously last season rovers were doing the chicken biryani curry that you might have seen on the twitter so that was something good that you see brought in big shout out to you from from rovers um and then you can get like nachos at other places i think i've seen one ground do noodles in a box you know there's there's things like that but you're talking really cheeseburgers chips pies sure not, Standard not the best dining experience here.
0: Yeah, so I would say for a long, long, long time in the United States, and I think baseball is probably the closest analogy to this, even though baseball is probably the fourth most popular sport in America right now. But for a long time, it wasn't. And it was, you know, the national pastime, And it was the biggest sport in America for so many decades. So food was similar. However, there's been a rise in like, not artisan, but almost like indie food. Now you can go and get Um, you know, like barbecue and like all kinds of different you find in their regional restaurants or, or places that have one or two locations in the city and their third locations in the stadium. So it's now a lot of stadiums. It's gone far beyond and almost you're almost expected to eat as an American if you go to a game, partly because it costs so much money, you know, and you're there for so long. But it's almost here. It's like everybody I know and every time I've gone to a match, you just plan to eat there because there's so much good food now available. So it's something that's changed because I remember back in the day it was the same thing, it was Coors Light and a hot dog, you know, and that's what you got. And now there's like it's like a nice <laughs> restaurant. You know, it's like the quality of food. Like if you came to visit, I would take you to these places. Um, wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there, there has been quite the rise in that. But with that is the rise in cost. So which leads me to my next question, kind of, which is, you know, when we're talking about Arsenal, Man City, uh, Spurs, right, like those type of rivalries, obviously ticket prices are a lot more. But if you just wanted a decent seat, and by the way, Rovers-Burnley, not not far, they
1: basically share a border, right? They're like oh, neighboring it's, it's miles, I think, apart. It's it's a very, very close location.
0: Yeah. So what what's the average price to go see Rovers play at Turf Moor? like if just a, uh, de- a decent I'll- ticket
1: yeah so i think last time i went it was 25 pounds because this is going to be the first one for i went to the last time we played at turf Moor. because obviously we've been apart for a while so i think that was 25 pounds when i went it's probably going to go up slightly maybe it'll be about 28 29 pounds but um yeah about that and that's a good seat you know and The thing you should know about away games um you know i'm assuming that other teams do it the same because i've only ever been in a rover's away end um away fans don't really sit uh, sit in the ticket that they've been allocated so you get your ticket but anyone sits anywhere
0: (laughs) oh so it's like it's a free-for-all it's like whoever gets there first can just sit in wherever they want
1: yeah And it's kind of one of those unwritten rules of an away day that that just happens, you know, and you just accept that that's what it is.
0: (laughs) Wow. Interesting. So what about Spurs, Man City, right? Do you have off the top of your head like a ballpark of what maybe the tickets would be for that, like a place like that, you know?
1: yeah so for those derby games so the thing about those clubs is because they're so big you know unlike rovers you can usually get a ticket for rovers um these bigger clubs actually operate waiting lists to get tickets so you know you need to be on a waiting list to get a season ticket and then you're potentially on a waiting list to be part of the membership to get tickets you know they've got all these complex structures which support the whole ticketing obviously the derby games are the big ones so Probably you are likely to be an established season ticket holder that's part of some membership scheme and has done so for a number of years. Some people sell their tickets on, but I think you're looking probably upwards of a hundred pounds for some of those games.
0: Yeah, so that's that's actually yeah, that's very similar to American football. So I'm going to use baseball for the pyramid analogy, and then American football because, of course, American football, world football always at odds right like everybody hates the term soccer and they're, they're it's almost they're just tied together whether we like it or not so uh i'm looking right now and the browns and steelers which would be considered a rivalry that's uh the cheapest is 111 and then later on uh the browns cincinnati so these are two cities that are just a few hours away which here in america is the equivalent of like cleveland cincy is the equivalent of blackburn burnley right? Because everything's just bigger here. So you just, you just basically find the common denominator, divide it down. And uh, so that's 118, starting at 118, right? So very expensive here for for the big ones um, as well. Do you find that the more you pay, the more behaved people are almost like I've invested so much money into this that I don't want to mess it up? Or do you think that, that is relevant?
1: No, in the UK that's that's certainly irrelevant. I think, you know, most fans that I see that are going to the away games, you know, they're they're good, loyal fans that follow rovers up and down the country. And yes, of course, they don't want to be paying 35, 40, 45 pounds like we even have done in the championship. I think Leeds one season was was upwards of of forty pounds. Of course we don't want to be paying that. So fans will just pay it and they'll just behave exactly the same as as if they've paid 10 pounds in the cup right, right up to 45 pounds away at leads, you know it's yeah. it doesn't really make a difference so
0: so two parter what's the craziest thing you've seen personally between fans and then what's the craziest story you've heard about the fans? you know you could call it hooliganism just fan interaction whatever hooliganism over there i think sometimes it feels like it's almost worn as a badge of honor the term Um, and over here we just don't use that term period so it's not in the lexicon nobody refers to the fans as hooligans over here in any way but so 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 which which do you want to start with personal or
1: renowned story so i think personal stories i can't remember which game it was at but um i saw an interesting inflatable woman Uh, I can't remember what was written on this thing. It involves some stag do or or some kind of celebration. So, and the way that this inflatable was being passed around the away end and all sorts was happening to this inflatable. And it's just funny to just stand there and just watch how the different fans just behave towards this inflatable. So I can't remember where I was at for that one. It was probably somewhere like Blackpool or or somewhere where, you know, where you'd expect it to happen. So I think that's the personal one. Um, in terms of the renowned, you know, at away games, you just always get fans that are just in a really lighthearted mood, particularly if your team's winning. You know, you get the funny chants, you get the banter towards the stewards, you get, you know, there might be someone that's walking up the stairs that then stumbles over and then they start getting grief from, you know, their own fans. You know, all these kind of things that make an away day. So that type of stuff, it's it's all usually in good, good humour.
0: Yeah. What about a not good humor? Like, do you have any, have you heard any war stories, so to speak, like, you know, brawls in the street and I'm talking maybe in the last, mm-hmm. let's say the last, cause I know what it happened. I've seen green street hooligans and that, mm-hmm. like any other American, I'm just like, Oh, this is all hyper accurate. Um, even though yeah. I know it's an embellishment, but let's say in the last 15 years, I know that that kind of violent side of things has Calm down i would say a little bit over there but do you still Mm. see that stuff like brawl scraps in the street kind of stuff like that unfortunately
1: unfortunately you do um mostly post-match after the game so two answers i'll give you to this one so at ewood um at blackburn don't know if you can picture it but behind the darwin end is where the away coaches go and next to that is a big area of wasteland where they park the cars for the game and quite often you will see and i've got to say it some of the younger fans uh from the away opposition from the away section interacting <laughs> let's call it interacting with the home younger fans and they quite often will go across that wasteland and engage with each other and and start you know trying to to cause trouble and usually the police splits it up So that happens quite regularly at ewood park unfortunately particularly when you've got some bigger away followings as well so that's not nice um last season was actually quite a disappointing one coventry away Mm -hmm. when we conceded that stoppage time equalizer um when we drew two two after that game there was some really nasty trouble after that game actually and i was quite surprised because coventry isn't a side that you would, you know, you don't hear about Coventry causing trouble. As you say, Green Street, you know, that's West Ham, Millwall, Chelsea, that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I was really shocked actually if, at the behavior of some of the Coventry fans. There was some real unsavory scenes, shall we say. I saw some Blackburn fans get hit and, you know, I saw blood and, you know, you, you do feel, you know, you fear for your safety in those situations because you're coming out of the away end and you can see. away fans who are doing stuff and you just try and find your best exit and and get out of there as quickly as you can really
0: yeah especially if you have your kiddos with you
1: yeah right i did i I did i had him with me for that game yeah
0: yeah yeah ryan's got two boys i've got a two-year-old girl i just took to her first match today weirdly enough an mls game which was very tame everyone was just hot and tired you know it's like american (laughs) fans are all we're, we're definitely like more lethargic you know both um but but you know to 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 balance things out cuz again i don't want anyone listening to this and think that we're ever trying to um, belittle or or rank in some kind of hierarchy fandom or anything cuz cuz you can tell by Ryan and i's our relationship we just find i find different cultures wonderful and fascinating and the differences even if they're unique or horrific I still find fascinating. So you see that same stuff in America, especially certain matchups too, like over on the West coast. And again, that's what I'm saying. I'm not trying to harp on anything, but uh, Giants Dodgers. So we're going back to baseball, a very, very old rivalry that has had some real violence, like people put in comas, you know, oh. stuff like that. And, and like anything else in life, Ryan, we know it's just a few people, right? And yeah. what they do is negatively impact the perspective on the whole we know this is just a handful of morons. And no matter where you're at in this world, there's a handful of morons. Doesn't matter the job, doesn't matter the nation, doesn't matter the context. There's a handful of morons everywhere you go. You go into a building to send some posts and some mail, there's three morons in line. You know, like they're they're (laughs) everywhere. It's inescapable, but there's definitely been a lot of violence here. I told Glenn that the craziest thing I ever saw in the Cleveland Muni lot, which is where we go to tailgate. So obviously here in America, You're allowed to drink at the stadium. They usually have a stoppage point for sales of alcohol. Sometimes it's the seventh inning. Sometimes it's the third quarter. A lot of places now, it's halftime. So they've pared it down and down and down. But you're allowed to get up and get into the stadium at 8 a.m. and drink and party all day till 1 p.m., then go into the stadium. Wow. Yes, yes. So so here this happens all the time. And yes, there are fights. There's a lot of talking, a lot of swearing. And at these lots, right, which we call tailgating here, right? At these lots um, where we tailgate, fans intermingle. They walk around. I mean, it's at your own risk. And generally at Cleveland Browns games, I was a season ticket holder for a while. All I ever saw was like a lot of yelling and and smack talk and swearing never really a ton of violence the all the violence i always witnessed was was fan on fa- like brown's fan on brown's fan violence i
1: seen right? some of that so.
0: <laughs> yeah yeah i saw when i left a game early in the dead of winter the 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 whole lot was just a sea of garbage and seagulls and vehicles and homeless people cleaning it up like a weird ecosystem like a david attenborough i wanted <laughs> david attenborough to narrate and there are two drunk men pushing each other against an RV and just lazily punching each other. Um, There was no one around. Like there's not anyone cheering on. There's not a woman they're fighting over. It's just two dudes lazily, almost like, like they're almost holding each other up. Like they're barely fighting. They're practically hugging. And it was just me watching this. And I was like, this is the saddest thing I think I've ever seen. It was that, it kind of like, you know, there's something changed in me. You know how the Grinch's heart grows three sizes on <laughs>
1: Christmas Day? Like, like yeah. my
0: heart shrunk a size when I yeah. saw those two in the dead of winter fighting each other. So so obviously it's part of the game and it's happened, but but that's fascinating stuff. You know, is there a chant that you love that uh, like a, an anti-Burnley chant that you're particularly fond of?
1: Yeah, I mean, my fa- it just makes me laugh every time I hear it. I think my favorite one is your mum's your dad, your dad's your mum. You're into bread, you Burnley scum. That <laughs> one is always a good one. That is a great one.
0: What's your into bread mean?
1: Um, so there, I don't know how you describe it in America, but um, sure. you know, like what's the word incest?
0: Ah, uh, bread means yeah, um, you're into bread, your yeah. family. Yeah, okay. yeah,
1: that's good. Cool. The, that's what the amazing. channel has got its basis on
0: <laughs> i love that fans no matter the culture the go-to insult is incest yes <laughs> over over here we have a, a joke is which is what do you call a room full of pittsburgh steelers fans a full set of teeth <laughs> Love that. Right? so it's always stuff like that you know definitely yeah. i think that as different as our cultures are at the end of the day, we're still like your big little cousin, you know, it's like we started off smaller and broke away our bellies and now we're like oversized, but still a weird version of you in so many ways. I think there's so much connective <laughs> tissue. It's inescapable. And I love that that's one of the, the connective tissue strands is incest jokes.
1: An incest joke. But well, yeah, that one regularly comes up regularly. Oh, that's, You should that's, know that, you know, 70% of the chants at an away game following Rovers are about Burnley. Right.
0: O- over here, we don't have any real song. You know, Americans notorious for not wanting to chant or sing. I don't know what it is. We're, like, too embarrassed. I don't know what it is. Um, but, but we have go-tos, like, just a lot of booing. You know, we have, like, something sucks just as the chant. Or, you know, like, uh, uh, a-hole right so you'll get a hole a hole <laughs> over and over and it's almost like waterboarding it's like a form of torture the monotony and the repetition so it's like what we lack in creativity and melody we almost make up for in like a sadistic repetition right it's almost like the uh, the shakespeare macbeth tomorrow and tomorrow speech where macbeth's what spoiler oh, wow. alert his wife gets murdered and he says and tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow right like that's like uh that's like american chance we wear you down with the with the monotony and and the repetition of our chance so that's that's our strength and claim to fame certainly um any any other do you have some questions for me about like insight into like match day stuff
1: So you i was really intrigued um when you were talking about the uh, the experience of being able to go at 8am and kind of party and and then be there for the game so mm-hmm. in the uk it's just completely different so it's all about the away day the travel down whether you go on coach train a mate who's driving whilst the rest of you drink you know all that type of stuff it's just a completely different experience and actually you're probably getting to the ground with as little time possible you know some people get there half an hour before kickoff 15 minutes before kickoff because they've done the other things that they do on an away game so what's the reason you know what's the cultural thing going on in america that people are getting to the ground so early and savoring it that way rather than the travel down
0: yeah so that's a great question and this would be specific to american football so let's let's bring it back up because remember america's got like for sports right it, it, and it's not <laughs> just the one we connect with i'm not saying england doesn't obviously y'all have some fantastic other sports there and sports that are very popular boxing is in its golden age as far as i'm concerned in england it's super popular tyson fury is like such a lovable or at least it's it intoxicating you know heavyweight and america hasn't had you know american champs are few and far between our golden age was the 90s you know with tyson and stuff like that but so american football since there's only 17 games matches for the year right like think about like how you would treat each one if there were only for the entire basically for 12 months ryan only 17 rovers matches how big they would feel Mm. each one yeah and they were spaced a week apart and they were always on sunday so you always had your day free so part of the the football the allure of partying hours and hours before football is that there's so few of them it's like a holiday right now when you go to baseball and basketball which will use you know 160 something games and 82 games i think baseball is 162 i don't know it's so long it's ridiculous um you're not going to find that because there's so many right so like people still go and they'll go and out to eat or they'll drink ahead of time around the stadium but in terms of baseball rivalries and fans, it can still be messy and bloody, especially when I was talking about like the Dodgers, Giants, or, or any of the Oakland, San Francisco, that region, because those are both really close. And, um, you know, so I think that's part of it. And also, it's the what you said, the away day factor over here, because everything's so far apart, a big rivalry is Lakers Celtics in basketball, right? And part of that comes from, cause they win so much. So, and they faced each other so many times in the finals. But if you think about them, they're 3000 miles apart as cities. And part of their rivalry is the cultural thing, LA fancy glitz, glam, money, plastic surgery. And then you have like Boston, which is like, you know, a hub of Irish immigrants and like blue collar and a, a working class, right. And like coal. Mm-hmm gritty harsh I used to live in Boston so I'm allowed to say these things at least a little because I actually (laughs) lived there I, I went through a pretty brutal Boston winter I remember people in Boston when I got there from Hawaii by the way I moved from Hawaii to Boston in January like an idiot and they were like this is one of the worst winters we ever had and my car was encased in ice like frozen and the plows had plowed snow over all the cars so everybody who had their car on the street you just couldn't use your car for a week it was covered in mother nature's wrath um so that so you know very different than LA and so that rivalry almost stems from a polar opposite kind of thing you know like rich versus poor the classism the ideology and the identities of the community and so even something like cleveland pittsburgh that's still a 2 hour drive and lots of fans will travel um but you know so i think that the stretch uh, of the geography of it and that, that makes a difference. Where, where there's one really close analogy I just realized is Chicago because they have the Chicago Cubs and the Chicago White Sox, which are two major league baseball teams. So the closest analogy is, aren't Liverpool and Everton like across the street from each other, basically, the stadiums? You can, oh, yeah. and, you can almost throw a rock and hit the other stadium, right? Isn't it that close?
1: Oh, completely. And there's other examples as well. Nottingham Forest and Notts County. Um obviously not as uh, as big a rivals as Liverpool and Everton Dundee and Dundee United, you know, you've got teams that, as you say, are so close to each other. It's, it's ridiculous.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So Chicago is a big city, you know, 8 million people or something like that, but, but though that, that's a big rivalry there. Cause you know, it's cross town and you get a lot of that traveling stuff. So anyone who's listening to this in Spotify or whatever If you want to reach out to either of us at CLE Jared on Twitter and Ryan, you are b a v underscore L-A-E-D, right? That's it. On Twitter. So if y'all have any questions or comments, especially Chicago people, I know we have some Chicago Rovers fans. Let me know some details about that Cubs-White Sox cross-town rivalry. So Ryan, I hope in a long-winded way that maybe answered your question. (laughs)
1: No, and that was good. And it was fascinating to hear the um, you know, the LA and Boston example, because I actually think the reason that Rovers and Burnley are such bitter rivals is because they are exactly the same. <laughs> right. So they are not like what you described with LA and Boston with the difference. Rovers and Burnley are literally, they're the same people, the same ways of life, the same culture. They just literally support a different football side and i think that's why it's just such a bit of rivalry it's like two brothers yeah. fighting constantly isn't it
0: yeah so so do like if you live in blackburn do you just avoid going to burnley for random shopping and everything or is it like there's a store you want to go visit and you're like ugh, i gotta go to
1: burnley to go to this store is that like
0: a thing oh, yeah.
1: From what i've observed with you know friends and family and and, we're not family friends i've got no family in, in there so friends um people will do their shopping in either place people who support burnley live in blackburn and vice versa you know all those types of things okay the thing that you wouldn't do is wear your rover shirt in burnley because you would get beaten up um and then yeah on those derby days you know it just becomes a little bit different and obviously people very much put their flag to the mass for their team but i think most of it's done in light-hearted banter you know jokes between you know burnley will always be looking for blackburn's results and hoping that we've lost and vice versa you know just the light-hearted stuff usually yeah
0: yeah i catch myself doing that now i just looked at yeah. burnley in the table this morning and i'm like they've only lost once mm-hmm.
1: but there are <laughs> I have observed some people where I do think that they would kill each other if they saw each other in the street. You know, I'm not going to lie. I've I've come across some people, both sets of fans. I'm just like, wow, if you came across a Rovers or Burnley fan, like I think you would actually kill them or beat them up or something, which yeah. is crazy when you think of it. Like why?
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that that's happened over here. There's been some, there's been definitely some stabbings, some, again, people that are, Um, there there's a a, you know a guy who is a I think he was a uh, Giants fan and he got jumped by Dodgers fans and like surgery had to learn to to walk and rehab you know can't I mean his whole life has changed can't ride bikes with his kids again we're two dads right like can't play catch Mm -hmm. with them can't have a kick with them all because he basically got jumped in a parking lot but over here I just realized too like a lot of the animosity almost stems from what happens on the field too weirdly enough going back to and let's stay on because i just i think it's really is a, a really blood rivalry is giants dodgers back in the 60s in baseball these two teams fought on the field and another guy hit a guy with a bat multiple times oh yeah so it wasn't like pushing, you know, like the kind of like everybody separating each other. Maybe there's a sucker punch or two guys are on the ground. It was dudes with bats hitting other players. I want you. Yeah. Like imagine, imagine like a cricket match that just goes all like the dude that's batting. It just runs up and just starts smashing everyone on the opposing team. So, so I think part of me anyway, feels like some of the animosity almost has resulted in what's happened on the pitch between teams here in America. Is that the case over there too, for some clubs? Do you, you can you, I know it's a big question cause there's long histories, but can you think of anything that's happened on the pitch or do you think this is just like you said, goes back to pre football when you're talking about 18th century cotton mill towns, stuff like that.
1: So there's definitely on the pitch stuff. So, um, i'm trying to think of rivalries that might have formed where they're not even geographically close or they haven't got that historical kind of might have just been you know something involving a transfer of a player or mm-hmm. a particular game where there was a bad refereeing decision and then they've got that animosity Um i think the closest rovers have got so for the american fans in particular rovers number one and only rivalry is with burnley like burnley hate us we hate them and that's the way we like it but because blackburn and burnley are in lancashire you get these other lancashire places or greater manchester places that try and meddle in and create this level of rivalry and derby with rovers so preston bolton wigan i'm talking about them three they try and make it into a derby they try and make it into a rivalry and yes Geographically, it's close. And yes, Rovers take a lot of fans when it's an away game, but it really is not the same level as Burnley. So, the reason I brought this in is to answer your question. I think Bolton is the team with the on field stuff because we played Bolton every season for quite a long time. Mm-hmm. So, we played it, but they came up. So, in the 2001-2 season, uh, so they came up with us, didn't they? Sorry, in the 2000 season. Mm-hmm. into the premier league stayed in the premier league with us relegated down into the championship with us I think they had one season or two seasons in league one and league two and then they were back with us uh, and then obviously they're in league one at the moment so we have quite a lot of seasons playing Bolton and we could never beat them <laughs> just mm-hmm. particularly at the Reebok stadium or the Macron stadium or whatever it's called now so those on-field things where like at home for example rovers missed two penalties jason roberts and benny mccarthy missed two penalties and we lost one nil all this type of stuff just elevates the rivalry not a rivalry because it's like Bol- burnley and blackburn and, and that level of rivalry it's the bloody hell bolton are just so annoying like that type of that it, so that's the type of stuff and and we just seem to have been on the receiving end of stuff with bolton over the years where yeah. it's a rivalry for a different reason if that makes sense it's it yeah. is all the on the on pitch stuff rather than, than the off field stuff
0: yeah i feel like rivalries are like flavors of ice cream you know like it's all ice cream but there are if you want a certain flavor there is the stuff that happens from both teams being great and playing each other in important matches and the rivalries that come from the people themselves or the rivalries that came from some weird gross thing that happened a hundred years ago and nobody can let it go. Right. It's like the like the fate of the universe changed for those two towns because some guy kicked another guy in the nads a hundred years ago. And since then nothing's been the same. So there's almost those like, you know, kind of domino effect rivalries. Um, speaking of um kicking things, I'd be kicking myself. If we did not close out with a, a cultural q&a right i we've already learned i think this has been the, the most educational episode depending on what side of the atlantic that you're on but i still love to close everything out with just a little more like cultural idiosyncrasies doesn't have to be something big like guns please don't ask me about guns because i'll get americans harassing my family for the rest of my life if i answer incorrectly so but little weird things that maybe you've always wanted to know ryan and never had an american friend that you know wouldn't judge you and just just be like cool yeah ask away so here's your chance to ask away. do you have a question for me about a weird american idiosyncrasy culturally
1: speaking? i do but uh before i do that can i just quiz you on the derbies to see how educational this has been
0: oh sure yes i, I love embarrassing myself through all
1: medium. And then we'll then we'll do the uh, the American question. So, uh, as I said, we are a strange nation and we've got lots of football clubs and we've got rivalries that you wouldn't think exist. Like, why? Why are they rivals? And when I say they're rivals, they hate each other. Okay. so can you tell me who Luton Town's rivals are?
0: Ooh, Luton Town. They're the Hatters. I know that much um they're also in the north right aren't they in the north they're in the south they're way south yes okay so it's going to be a southern team is it a team in the championship right now
1: it is and i know a luton fan and i it's a level of hatred like Blackburn and Burnley, and i never realized until i met him you know two or three years ago i was like wow (laughs) i never knew this
0: give me i'll ask for one more clue you see how i like to like barter and tribute (laughs) is it like a london-based club kind of okay Hang. i was gonna guess qpr or millwall but now i'm striking both of those as not possible because i know those are london clubs uh man that is a tough one is it sunderland somehow by chance no it's
1: it's watford Oh. Watford and Luton hate each other where they take the same measures that Blackburn and Burnley do. Like Watford and Bur- uh, Watford and Luton fans don't mingle. They don't, they're not allowed to. It's a real hatred. And I think they've even done stuff to statues at each other's grounds and stuff like that. They, I was shocked when I heard of that rivalry. I was just like, why?
0: <laughs> Interesting. You know, it's funny if anyone, the timeliness of this, we just beat Watford and lost to Luton. So Watford fans hate our guts right now not only do we beat them we just let their rival beat us so they must really hate our jelly right now all right so i failed that one miserably do you have any other uh questions for me i do
1: so who are brighton's rivals
0: oh dear all right so they're on the coast basically so it's going to be a coastal southern city that's close to them Coastal, coastal southern club that's close to them yes no maybe am i cold
1: you're cold are they again? In the... it's, it's a surprising rivalry. Maybe this is homework for your listeners to oh, to go yeah. and Google and research why are these two rivals with each other because I can't find any logical reason why they are. Is it are but they again, the... again? They they hate each other, like it's a hatred rivalry.
0: Are they in the Prem, this other team? Yes, I'm just gonna throw out Newcastle because that's my gut.
1: I know Newcastle, is too. Far <laughs> away.
0: I know there's some of last
1: time, and now you got Newcastle. Um, sorry, no, it's Crystal crystal palace oh uh... a really really strange rivalry like again not geographically close i think it's a rivalry because no one else wants to be rivals with them i think that is why it is because on the south coast southampton and portsmouth they hate each other that's their rivalry and then london you've kind of got millwall and west ham and Spurs sure. and Chelsea and Spurs and Arsenal. So I think they've been left out a little bit, Crystal Palace and Brighton.
0: Do you have dances at your schools? Like back in the day in primary school, did you do school dances where you'd like, like all the kids would like dance together, like, at like in like a setting?
1: Like did an you... end of year disco type thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, there you go. That Those two clubs are like the two kids who nobody asked yeah. either of them to the disco dance. <laughs> And so they're like, ah, you want to fucking go together? I don't know. I hate you. You hate me. But at least you won't be alone. You know, like
1: that's, <laughs> that that's is a good analogy. It is be. a good. But again, honestly, I've seen footage of those games. They hate each other. They get stuck into each other.
0: Man, that's a really good one. Yeah, I feel like I sat in on the wrong class at university right now. <laughs> the professor's talking about like macroeconomics, and I'm like, I thought this was a
1: creative writing class. <laughs> And then I think the other thing you should know about derbies. this isn't a a quiz question for you on this one, but everyone hates Leeds for some reason.
0: I've noticed that. I know. (laughs) It makes me really sad as the team that America should probably love because of Jesse Marsh, Tyler Adams, and Brendan Aronson, the Medford Messi. Medford is a suburb in New Jersey, right? So I think the Sopranos or Jersey Shore, when you think about like accent and culture, if you want to watch a clip of either of those Sopranos, watch a lot of jersey shore watch 10 seconds of and then burn out your eyes but um you know so that's a team that i think americans are really starting to fall in love with because we want to see an american coach at least somewhat succeed i'm not saying be great just bring a level of respect to american coaching where bob Bob bradley and swansea remember didn't even last like three months um so that that hurts to hear that everybody hates the leads yeah they do
1: like, <laughs> i don't know what it is they've got a lot of rivalries with lots of clubs and Man. yeah it's, uh, to be fair I've, I've got a lot of respect for leads you know their fans travel really well to all the away games they support their team really well as well but um yeah, yeah. a lot of a lot of people hate leads a lot of fans so my actual question then after that little quiz so sure. yeah
0: which i, I feel is- differently
1: <laughs> I they were trick questions really. Yeah, fair <laughs> fair fair. fair. <laughs> We've often spoken a lot about derby days and away games and um you know that does involve alcohol and beers and I love a beer and Europe in particular, you know I'm not just going to single out the UK here, Europe has a lot of really nice beers, lagers, you know those types of things. Please tell me that Coors Light and Budweiser are not the only two that your fine country has to offer. You know, what beers should we be drinking over here from America?
0: That's a great question. One, I'm curious what distribution is like over there with American beers. And two, you've, you, you I'm going to have to be biased on this because so everyone at home understands. I managed a brewery for for a number of years. So I'm not saying I'm a beer snob, but I'm saying like I've drank a lot of good beer. I had to learn the world as part of my profession. So I really like good beer. I mean, I like all beer. I can have a crappy beer and enjoy it on a hot day. But in America, things have changed quite a bit in the last 10, 15 years. There's been a boom in what's called microbreweries, which are breweries that are almost regional or town breweries. So America back back, back in the day had over 4,000 of these way back when our population was small. And it was almost like that was every town's source of beer. And then throughout, especially Prohibition, is why our beer stinks, right? So like a quick history lesson. What happened with Prohibition here is to, to make my, your, your malt and your, your ingredients last and to get bang for your buck, they diluted the beer. You know, because that was the only way to like get get your money's worth and the risk you were running of of serving illegal stuff that was completely banned. Don't forget, alcohol completely banned in America. <clears throat> so what happened was an entire generation got a taste for that style style of beer, which is like post-prohibition beer. And you know what happens generally generationally? So then they got older and they started making it in mass. And they started making lots of money. And through marketing and advertising and distribution, they dominated the market. There were no microbreweries or small operations left because of prohibition. It was too cost prohibitive to start that up from the rip. And so you had decades of Coors Light and Budweiser and beers of that ilk dominating the, the, the palate of America and the landscape. And only in the last 20, 30 years ago, there was some stuff happening in California that was a pretty big deal. But really, in the last 15 years, you can go to almost any town in America, anywhere, doesn't matter what they're like culturally or or anything. And you're going to find a brewery, which is really cool. So over there, I don't know what y'all could get that is like big, you know, maybe like Sam Adams or Sierra Nevada. Have you heard of these brands before?
1: No, I've not. But um, maybe if I look closer, I'll find them.
0: Yeah, yes. You know what? We'll do this too. And maybe we'll do a follow up episode. Yes. Search out what US beers you could find that aren't the big ones. And I'll search out over here what UK beers I could find that aren't maybe Boddington's. I assume like Boddington's is like, do you rate Boddington's like you rate Budweiser or is still Boddington's still miles better than
1: those? I mean, Boddingtons for me is like a blast from the past. You know, I I drank that when I first started drinking when I was uh, a lot younger. So um yeah, I don't I don't remember the last time I had Boddingtons and I don't even think they've got it on draft in many places now, Boddingtons. Yeah. So if you want, you know, bitters like that, it's like John Smith's, um yeah. Worthingtons and Tetley's, and then your lagers, you're talking Carling. Um, yeah. you know, that's a that's a UK one there. So
0: yeah, so I've seen uh, Smiths out here. Also, like you know, obviously like Smittix, we get some of that out here. Old Speckled yep. Hen,
1: Old Speckled Hen, yeah, that's a good ale, that one. Yeah,
0: First yeah. And yeah, yeah. So I've drank some of that. So that's like the type of stuff we get here, weirdly. But I'm gonna go hit up one or two like good spots too. I'm not talking like gas station beer. For those in America, know what I'm talking about. Um. I'm going to go hit up like a real spot and see what I can dig up UK wise and uh, yeah. do do likewise. So, so I hope that kind of answers your question. And it's still immensely popular. It's still the thing the vast majority of people drink and over here now, the big thing are hard seltzers, right? Like white claws. Have you heard of white claws before? No. All right. See if you can get your hands on some white claws over there. I think if there's one thing that might've been able to it, penetrate your market in a weird way as a niche thing maybe it's white claws which is just like seltzer with crappy like vodka and then flavored in tall narrow hands yeah. and it's it's been so popular the last five years it's taken a huge market share and now all these companies like budweiser and course they make a hard seltzer right so it's <laughs> it's right it's like the uh you know whatever like the mimic theory or whatever like you know when when something's a hit you see a bunch of versions of it for a while Right, like like with music or whatever, you kind of see that happen. The the homogeneity of it. So so that's the stuff that somehow now like it's almost like I I think for a lot of ways craft beer which sometimes how it's referred to is is considered like snooty and snobby, and beer heads have done it no fa- favor by also being snooty and snobby about Coors Light and and Pabst Blue Ribbon me being a hillbilly and growing up very poor and blue collar I just grew up drinking like bush light and stuff like that so I still will drink it but I don't actively buy it if that makes yeah. sense like if I'm camping yeah, and my so. buddy has an 18 pack I'll drink three of those because why not but if I'm at home that's not at ever what, what I buy
1: so. yeah no, I know what you mean and the craft beer stuff has, has taken off in the UK as well we've really seen an explosion of that BrewDog is, is a big company and In the UK.
0: Oh my God. So, so here's what's crazy the US headquarters for Brew Dog is 10 minutes from my house. Is it? Yeah. There's a beer. They have a whole hotel there. It's a beer hotel. There's taps
1: in the friggin' hotel room. I have to get over and see you.
0: (laughs) Well, if you and the family ever come over, that's where you should stay, undoubtedly. And even reach out to the guy. I know, like, one of the main guys is there sometimes. It's a huge facility. And part of the reason they chose um, outside of Columbus, Ohio, which is where I live, is because the cost of, I'm sure, living and production and all that, it's very central Ohio, you know, if you think about distribution. So that's funny that we actually found something, which is BrewDog, which is, I think, UK originated, right? But is now over here in a big way, quite a few locations over here, I would say. Pretty big, pretty big brewery. Wow. wow, what to good way to finish that. <laughs> I know. And so I think my final idiosyncrasy question to you, it goes hand in hand with beer, Ryan, is lawn care. We're both dads. <laughs> we both live at a home with family. And I assume we both are the ones that mow the lawn. Is that correct? You mow your lawn?
1: So disclaimer, so that is very much a shared activity in the household. So oh, yeah. Like yeah so um yeah my my mrs lisa does like to to go out there and do the mowing and, and all of that type of stuff so yeah
0: uh, do you feel like over there it's like lawns, like everybody's out mowing their lawn at the same time weed eating like lawn cares that you see that kind of stuff like little troops of guys in trucks with with stuff on the back that are running doing lawns like house to house like a little business is that something that happens there
1: um, so there are people that do businesses like that, um, you know, landscape gardeners and, and stuff like that. But um yeah. the street where we live, we don't really see, you know, we don't see that really. Um, you know, our street, we live with a lot of neighbors that take good care of their their lawns and things. They're looking really good. So um yeah. Yeah. So we don't really see the the people coming and, and helping in this in the way you described are lawn
0: mowers like a guys that like a stature thing like the bigger the better the mower you have the more impressive it is is that is there an arms race like there is over here for
1: mowing yeah i mean hopefully i can reach you know the pinnacle of the arms race i think to achieve you know god status in lawn mowing it's a sit a sit on mower isn't it that's what you need that's when you know you've succeeded in life when you've got a lawn big enough to sit and ride around and mow your lawn. I'm not quite there yet. Yeah. So we've got a, uh, a mower that's fueled by petrol. And yes, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a good one. And you get all sorts, don't you? Like the big fly mimos and, you know, all those types of things. But um, a sit-on that? mower is when I can retire. <laughs>
0: Well, this is now more reason why you have to come visit. I have a sit-on mower, and and (laughs) I know. And again, it's a land thing. America's so big, right? So, (laughs) believe it or not, my wife and I um, looked—I wouldn't say intently, but more seriously than you or the listeners might think—because she, you know, she could get a job over there in her field. And we looked at prices and homes around what we paid here over there specifically in England and in Ireland actually. And I did notice because again, everybody like Ryan said, it's an Island, right? So like over here, what I got two acres, it would cost double that over there, right? Like double what I paid here for two acres over there. So, and I live in the middle of nowhere, Ohio. So, right. There's like, you know, you live in the country, there's, there's benefits, there's pros and cons, right? So getting two acres here, is much 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 cheaper than getting two acres in a place like you know uh anywhere along the west coast all the way up from from portland all the way down to san jose anywhere in california those a lot of states getting two acres is tricky and it depends on the acreage because again there's a lot of land out here there's crappy land and good land kind of thing so is there you know did you ever when you guys did you ever like want like a lot of a lot of yard like that is it a statue thing or is it like you just wanted it because you wanted the expanse and the peace and the quiet and the trees and
1: the birds yeah so we also live outside of the city um so near lincoln in the uk yeah. for uh, for your listeners so we live 10 miles out of of lincoln and our main deciding factor for this house where we live now was the kids so yeah. You know, we wanted to make sure that we had a decent enough sized garden that both my boys could kick a football around or feel like they could go out and be loud and and all of that type of stuff. And safety as well. You know, the street that we live on, um, it feels like a really safe area. So I wouldn't say it was the garden that kind of dominated the decision. Um, How the house looked and where it was and how close to the school it was was big deciding factors. But certainly the garden helped sway the decision to go for this one.
0: And when you say garden, you you're you're kind of meaning all encompassing the property, right? Like the garden plus the yard is a garden plus a yard usually yeah, referred to as a garden.
1: Yeah. So um, yard actually in the UK would more refer to if you've seen um, you know like Coronation Street. Yeah. The, the show those terraced houses in the UK a yard is supporting those houses where it's like a concrete yard with no grass. It's a very thin garden. That's more of a yard that we would describe in the UK. Mm. A garden, like I'm talking, is is grass and flowers and space, you know, that type of stuff without the concrete and the kind of fixed walls in. So we have a front garden, a small patch of grass um, next to the driveway for our house. And then in the back, you know, it's all enclosed with fencing and couple gotcha. of football goals and a climbing frame
0: oh <laughs> that's adorable that's how i picture too i always picture your your back gardens um like with the walls because i've seen so many like again looking at home prices and stuff so yeah. i can picture that if anyone else can't do it that's interesting i love that it's still again the connective tissue like it, you know 200 years after breaking up americans and brits both still just love their freaking lawnmowers you know yeah.
1: something about
0: a lawnmower well well maybe you'll come over with the family one day and we could all you can all take turns on the riding yeah it's not even fancy either mine's like an old man riding mower but it was all all i could afford when we moved in i was i said it i was like we're gonna need a riding mower like i'll drown in in grass and weeds unless i have something like big so (laughs) i'll send you a picture of something Uh, yeah oh go ahead go ahead
1: no, please do send me a picture of the ride on Moa. You have achieved god status in life. <laughs> <I know.
0: laughs> yeah, we'll we'll definitely share a few. Um Ryan man, I learned so much. I love it. If anybody here loves football, gardens or beer, they're going to friggin love this episode, I hope. <laughs> and I hope everybody listening learns something. Ryan will be back on um as a guest soon. Ryan, do you have any closing thoughts or any other things you'd like to say to the people at home?
1: no um thank you for for having me on i've i've had a blast and i hope you've enjoyed learning the useless knowledge about away fans in the uk we are a special breed yeah (laughs) football fans in the uk we are special but do you know what all those layers of english and scottish football in particular you know there's so many fans that go and support clubs of all different shapes and sizes in the uk every saturday and it's amazing it is a a thread of of the uk a saturday going to watch the football is like a core part of our being as much as tea is a core part of our being you know saturday 3 p.m that's what it's all about so i hope you listeners have enjoyed listening to all of that and i hope everyone remembers don't let anyone tell you any different rovers only rival is burnley yes. they hate us we hate them that's how we like it don't let any of these other clubs tell you different
0: amen i love it, it i love it and that's a great way to bring it back is all these different give us a we like follow. follow at the we appreciate end of the day right like yourself. everybody still loves their team and that's something we all have in common is that love and that passion right, and finding a community that healthily, in a wholesome way, shares those ideologies with you. And that's what we're building here at The Coin, little by little. So uh, subscribe, like, follow, all the crap everybody always tells you to do in every video and podcast until the end of time. We will also ask you to do here. Again, he's uh, Ryan at B-A-V underscore A-L-E-D. I'll ask you about that handle in the next episode because I've always wondered what the hell it means. And there I'm very
1: strange uh, story.
0: <laughs> yeah, <I bet. laughs> and I'm uh I'm at C-L-E underscore Jared, J-A-R-E-D. So